Hi there and welcome. Now it's time for America's favorite podcast. Leave your mark with your host, Vince Cortez. If it's fly, loose fit it. It's Cortez. If freeze and chubbies in it. It's Cortez. Leave your mark. It's about inspiring the world. One guess at a time. Pass the word from Brooklyn to Pittsburgh, from urban to suburb. It's Cortez, you heard? And here is our host, Vince Cortez. This is Leave Your Mark. I'm Vince Cortez, and today's guest is Jay DeSantis. He is a successful husband of 26 years to his wife, Debbie, an entrepreneur of an own painting company for 32 years, and an elite hockey coach to hockey players all over the country. And at age 50, is struck down by pancreatic cancer. He's our guest today. Jay, thanks for coming. Thanks, Vince, for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, you're a true hockey blue blood, born in Detroit, yes. Michigan. Um, share with me uh, what life was like in Detroit, Michigan, and what was mom and dad up to? Yeah, yeah. Life, life in Detroit was uh, was great. We um, we lived on the outskirts in the suburbs. Um, I would say it was like country and boating. It was a country boating town. So we had lots of farms and we were on a major waterway uh, that was a connecting waterway um, between Lake Huron and Lake Erie. So right on, you know, right next to the Detroit River. And it was just a great place to grow up as a kid. Uh, the only thing we didn't have was hockey. Um, so growing up as a kid, we had to drive about an hour to an hour and a half uh, to get to the elite hockey programs in the Detroit area. Oh, wow. So, but it, it was great. Lots of bonding time in the car with mom and brother and lots of, lots of travel. Okay. So you have a couple siblings you just mentioned there. You had a brother, Matt and a sister, Megan. Yes. And were you the oldest of the three? Yes. By two years, Matt was two years younger than me and Megan's 12 years younger than me. Um, half sister, but we, we uh we don't go by the half. We're close, and we're we we are brother and sister. Okay. Now your parents, were Jerry and Pamela, what did what did they do? So dad uh, grew up. Uh, we had my great grandpa had a funeral business. So the Jerome A. DeSantis funeral business was a was quite a quite an outfit in the Detroit area growing up. Uh, to this day, I still have people. Uh, when they hear my name, they refer to the funeral business. And, um, and, and then my grandpa, of course, and then my dad took over the funeral business. Um, and later didn't, didn't continue on in the business, um, and started a painting company. Um, you know, during his college years, he was always painting with painting companies and he really enjoyed painting. And he had an opportunity after they sold the funeral business, um, to get into business for himself and, and started a very successful uh, painting business in the Detroit area. Now your mom, she was a, um, an artist. Yes. My mom, um, went to college, uh, majored in art and, um, she ended up working in the framing gallery, uh, business where they, you know, they, they would make some custom frames, very nice custom frames for, uh, a lot of the up and ups around the Detroit area, they became pretty popular with um, their work. Um, and that's what she did, uh, I want to say, for at least 12 years. 
So now you're in high school going to Anchor Bay and you're all in on the hockey. So the hockey's gone since you're little. You're just sharing a little bit of that there in your youth. So how, how did that go down in those years? Yeah, well, it was it was a lot of work, uh, you know, playing at the elite level. We played year round. So we had our main season in the in the fall and that was six months. Uh, and then right away we got into the spring hockey, which was called spring league. Um, and that was a couple months and we'd hit tournaments all across Canada, not only in the main season, but in the spring season. And then from spring, we go into a summer hockey league, um, and, uh, ended up playing in an elite league called the hockey night in Detroit, which was all of Detroit's elite players, um, that, uh, were college pro juniors, um, and AAA players. And, uh, it, it was quite a, it was quite a league growing up. So, you know, and then, you know, we, we would play travel baseball. So baseball was a very, was very passionate about baseball as well. So, you know, you go from playing a double header to going to play a hockey game in the summer. So it was like that my whole life. And it was great. Um, just really busy with sports. So now you come on at 22 years of age, as well as playing in the juniors, you're coaching. So life is starting to take root here for you. And you mentioned about your brother. I want you to share with me what happened to your brother, Matt, uh, at the age of 27. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, Matt, he, uh, he committed suicide and, you know, Matt was, Matt was quite an athlete and intelligent person himself. He went to a prep school, a private school, uh, very well known, uh, not only in Detroit, but around the country, kids come across the country to go there. It's called the Cranbrook, Cranbrook Academy. And they had a heck of a hockey program and quite an education there. Um, and uh, Matt was recruited to go to Cranbrook uh, for hockey. And he also played baseball and, and Matt played college baseball as well. Um, you know, but this is like the elite of the elite for, for uh, high schools across America. And he was fortunate to be a boarding student there for four years. And then he went on to play college baseball at, at two different colleges. Um, he got out of college. Life was good. He, he married his high school sweetheart. And, uh, you know, they bought a house together. Uh, Matt, myself, and my two cousins, uh, we, all, we all got married. You know, Matt, you know, would have been the last one that anybody would have ever thought um, that he would have got caught up in any kind of mental self-esteem, whatever, whatever happened with Matt, you'd never saw it coming. Um, mm. big smile, big, big, bright white teeth, uh, very successful, highly, highly intelligent, the vice president of his class at Cranbrook. I mean, you know, so to get married in a year later, uh, you know, take your own life without any signs of anything. Um, I'll never know the answer. Uh, Matt was just a very, very great guy, social, happy. Everybody liked him and a great athlete, great person. And uh, he's gone. Yeah. Just like that. Life was life was, you know, too short for him. Never, never would have thought, you know, anything like that could happen to Matt.
Now, touching on a few other things in your childhood, you when you were 10, your parents were divorced. And then when you were 13, that family business. So your roots were shaken quite a bit yeah. when you were yeah. young. And then this yeah. takes happen with your brother. So you're kind of battle tested at this point. You're in your early or mid or late 20s here now, you know, 28, yes. 29 years of age. Connect with us on LinkedIn. Be our friend on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram. You are listening to Vince Cortez. We just want you to leave your mark. So you get, you get on with life and uh, here we come and you're hitting into middle age. You're 50 years of age. And share with me how you and Debbie find out that you have cancer. Yeah, you know, um, started feeling kind of cruddy about a year prior to, um, you know, finding out that I had pancreatic cancer, unresectable, um, and the signs of just feeling bad, I started going into the doctor, took about three months, went in, into the doctor, and he sent me home with some uh, prednisone steroids, and, you know, and I, I didn't feel much better after taking a little bit of medicine and um about another two three months later I went back again um and they said you know let's do an endoscopy um and you know everything looked good on the endoscopy and then again I I went back maybe a month and a half two months after that and let's do a colonoscopy we did the colonoscopy everything was fine sent me on my way well it had gotten to the point where I was pretty fatigued. I would say by one, two o'clock in the afternoon, something wasn't right. So now I go back in and doctor says, you know, we need to get, we need to get an MRI. So they found a tumor um, and he wanted to take another look at it. So they ordered a CAT scan right away. So we did the CT scan. And um, sure enough, I got the phone call. He was a neighbor of mine at the time, my doctor. Uh, and he called me and he says, you know, I'm, I, I don't know how to tell you this, but um, you have a pretty large tumor and we need to go get it tested to see if it's cancerous. So you're going to so get a about, Yes. Yeah, so we went in about a week later. We got a biopsy. And we went to Grand Rapids. It's about a two and a half hour drive and came back and Debbie and I were eating lunch and we got the phone call and uh, got, you know, got the news that uh, you have a tumor wrapped around your SMA artery and it's, uh, it's cancerous. Um, so with the next step, uh, was to, you know, who, what are we going to do? Who are we going to go see the, the doctor that had done the surgery to do the uh, testing for the cancer recommended U of M. Let me ask so you right a question. Cause this is, this is so epic for anybody who's told they have cancer. Can you share with yes. me what your first thoughts were when they gave you that diagnosis? Yeah, you know, my first thoughts were, uh, I'm going to beat it. Debbie, of course, 
you know, my wife was with me, we were eating lunch and, you know, of course she was really, you know, a wreck. Um, but, uh, I assured her we couldn't obviously couldn't finish eating our lunch. Right. So, but, uh, I, I assured Debbie that, um, I'm going to beat this. We're going to be fine. Um, I didn't know anything about pancreatic cancer. I didn't, I didn't know what I had. I just knew that, uh, I had pancreatic cancer. Well, what is pancreatic cancer? Um, and at the time I, I didn't, I didn't know what I was up against. I just felt the power and the faith. And I knew that I was going to be a fighter and, and we were going to beat this. This original doctor gave you 12 months to live. Yeah. So from, from the, um, from Grand Rapids, when we got diagnosed with cancer, we went to U of M and, um, all the CT scans had been sent over to U of M. So when we were going there to meet, uh, the head doctor at U of M, um, he had already seen all the scans. We were just going there and we were doing like an interview slash what is the next step and where is my pancreatic cancer? Where does it stand? What is it? How much time do I have here? Um, so we, um, we went to U of M, we had the meeting with the, the doctor and, uh, basically the, the news was, was pretty grim. He said, Deb, my wife had asked him, I'll never forget it. After he went through the spiel of what kind of cancer it was, I had pancreatic cancer, stage three, unresectable. So what that meant was they couldn't do surgery. So we were kind of, again, we didn't, we didn't know where to go from, from here. We were just told they could not do surgery. Um, so as the meeting went on, Debbie had asked him, you know, what does this mean for Jay? And he said, well, he's probably got about 12 months. And uh, I looked at Debbie and right away, I just, I, I was shaking my head and I was looking at her in her eyes and I said, don't worry, don't worry about this, Deb. We're going to get this. I said, we are going to beat this. And um, so basically the next, the next step was to get on chemotherapy and, and in hopes that maybe that tumor could shrink and pull away from the main artery, that SMA superior mesentric artery, which is the main artery there um, where the tumor was all entangled and wrapped around. That's why they couldn't do the surgery because of the risk of, um, you know, first of all, rupturing the artery. Uh, it was too, it, it was too um, aggressive of a surgery and uh, nobody was willing to take, take a chance. If you are listening from Australia, Florida, or just from around the corner. From East Coast to West Coast outlets, if you're not to the dirty South straight, make a left body body. Contact us. Leave your mark with your host, Vince Cortez. At this point, with you not being able to have surgery, then the only other alternative then is chemo or radiation or and uh, yep. off of those yes. options. So you chose to do chemo? Yes, exactly. So they ordered a six-month script of uh, very intense chemo. Um, they said, you know, we're going to check it every two months and we're going to hope that this tumor shrinks and maybe we can get in there and do the surgery if it pulls away from the arteries. So, um, it did 
after the first two months, it did in fact pull away a little bit away from that artery. It shrunk 38%. Wow. So we were really, we were really happy. And yeah. the doctor, the doctor showed, you know, he, he showed some hope finally. Um, he, he was, he was, his bedside manner wasn't the best uh, up to this point. So for him to show any excitement and any positive attitude with him, I was, I was happy. I left that meeting happy, very happy. And, um, so, you know, we're going to continue on the chemo though. We're going to go two more months. And in the meantime, they were going to take, um, take this to the board the following Monday and do a review and see if maybe they can maybe possibly do surgery now, now that it's shrunk in 38%. Well, we never got a call back and I called on a Wednesday and all they said was we weren't able to get into the board on Monday and the board meets every other Monday or every Monday they meet. So they said, we're going to take it to the board the following Monday. Well, Tuesday rolled around, Wednesday rolled around. I made the call and uh, all I got was the board reviewed everything and we're not able to do the surgery. That's all I got. They weren't even calling me back. So while this, this is going team. on, I'm sorry to interject. This, yeah. this is about the time when it's now is COVID going on at the same time as this or are they? Yeah. So, yeah, so COVID is basically just coming into play. Okay. So so there's other complications besides what's going on with you and, yes. and so forth. So yeah, this gets a little crazy now. Yeah. So it gets really crazy. And, you know, again, I was, I was feeling my faith. I was feeling confident. Um, I wasn't scared. I full steam ahead. We're, we're getting this. We're, I'm going to get this. We're going to, I'm going to beat this. Uh, in the meantime, the chemo was pretty aggressive. It, it was wiping me out a little bit. Um, I remember going on the ice. I was coaching every Saturday. I had a skill skate that I was running every Saturday and I wasn't missing. Mm. And I, I remember going out on the ice and all of a sudden I can't feel my hands and my feet. And uh -oh. I got in the rap. I got neuropathy coming into play now. So, uh -oh. you know, so I'm still skating with um, neuropathy of the feet and the hands right now. And I, I've learned to adjust and adapt with it. And, and uh, you know, but, but to, to, not to get off the story, we, um, so we got the results and then now I need to make a decision on where we're going to go because U of M is telling us they can't do surgery. So, out of the blue, I get a phone call from a friend and he got word. He had been telling my story to relatives in New York. He's from New York. He lives in Traverse City. And one of his relatives told him that Dr. Weiss in New York had done a pancreatic surgery on one of the relatives and saved her life. So right away, we got a hold of Dr. Weiss in New York. And we got our CT scans and all the blood work and everything he needed. Um, and he took a look at it and he was willing, willing to do the surgery. So, and this went on for a couple of months before we were able to get in with Weiss. Uh, so now we're about the four month mark and chemo's kind of getting me. They had told me we're going to order six months, but most people can only endure three months of this chemo. Well, I lasted the six months and then I went into radiation. So that was all good. Um, I was able to get through it. 
Um, and the chemo really did, it really did shrink a lot of the cancer and kill off a lot of the cancer. Um, but the long story short was we ended up getting a surgery scheduled with Dr. Weiss in New York. And this is when COVID came into play in New York and they canceled all surgeries. Mm. And we had, we had, we had two weeks to go to finally go in and get the surgery done, you know, and, and now we're, we're, we're almost at the six month mark. We're getting into the six month mark. Um, and Dr. Weiss had to cancel the surgery and they were doing no surgeries and we didn't know when we would be able to get in. And fortunately with God's paved road that he's paved this road for me to, to fight this. I, I, I feel his presence. I, I felt his presence all the way through that he was here for me and I wasn't, and I was going to beat this. Um, Dr. Weiss just happened to know the leading surgeon for pancreatic cancer in the country, maybe the world, um, and referred us to Dr. Trudy at the Mayo Clinic. He emailed Dr. Trudy at the Mayo Clinic and said something like, he wants Trudy to meet me. And, um, he feels that I'm a good candidate to, uh, to have a surgery. So about a week or so later, I don't remember, it might've been a week or two. We were at the Mayo Clinic meeting with the leading surgeon in the country. So from there, uh, he did all the tests. Mayo wanted to do all their tests. They were not going to look at any of the prior tests that I had done, the CT scans, the MRIs, um, the Mayo wants to do all, all of their own testing for a good reason. Um, they have the state of the art CTs, PET scans, uh, MRIs. So we did all of the tests, the MRI, the PET scan, we did the CT scans, we did all the extensive blood work. And then from, from that point on, um, Dr. Trudy has a checklist. He has 10 items on this checklist, literally. And it's almost like written down in layman's terms. And he goes through the 10 items with you prior to going over your PET scan, CAT scan, MRI, all your testing. And he says, this is the way, this is the way my surgery, this is a very aggressive surgery. This is one of the most aggressive surgeries there is. Um, and if there are any of these items on these 10 items, I have to put a check on, we're not going to be able to do the surgery. And he was very clear and, and he was just awesome. I mean, to this day, he is the greatest human being I've ever met. And, and he went through the check, the, the 10 checklists. That was the only time I've, I, I was nervous and I was scared was when my wife and I were in that small little office meeting with Dr. Trudy. And I had to clear 10 items on that list or there was no surgery. Wow. Yeah. So he came back, went over the list, went over the items and said, um, right down the line, you know, you're good here. We're good here all the way down to 10. Now let's talk about the surgery. He says, if you have a story to share, tell us, how are you going to leave your mark? Leave your mark. Contact us, leave your mark with our host Vince Cortez, be our guest. He goes, I don't do surgeries. I'm not going to be performing the surgery that you were going to be getting at with Dr. Weiss. He says, my belief is different with your particular surgery. 
Dr. Weiss was going to do what they call the Whipple. So he was going to leave part of my pancreas behind. And then after my surgery, I would have had to go in and get more chemo to kill off the rest of the cancer. Well, Dr. Trudy removes the whole pancreas. So he eliminates everything. So in, in addition to removing the whole pancreas, he took my spleen, he took my gallbladder, he took my duodenum, he took one of my adrenal glands, and then they removed the tumor. They took five inches of the main artery, the SMA artery, and they replaced it with an artery in, from my leg. Uh, so, you know, it was... So you had five was, organs removed. Yeah, five organs in the main artery. And this took um, how long? Yeah, so this was a 13 and a half hour oh surgery. Yeah. And I ended up in the Mayo Clinic for 34 days afterwards. Wow. I mean, that's about as traumatic as it gets. What was your healing like to start with? Yeah, so it was, it was really rough. I couldn't walk. I was, yeah. uh, you know, in a wheelchair. Um, and uh, had lost a lot of weight, about 60 pounds. Wow. Uh, and had, had a scare in the hospital. I was in ICU for 14 days. They couldn't figure out what was wrong. Um, it was around the clock, doctors in and out trying to figure out. Basically, you know, it was, clo it was close. It was a close call in there. And um, what it was is I had a fever for uh, uh, 14 days, and it, they couldn't figure out why I had this 102, 103 degree fever that uh, they couldn't figure out what was going on. And in addition to that, my heart rate, they couldn't get it to come down below 125. So I was in tough shape. Um, and, uh, you know, with the COVID, only my wife could come and see me. So that was tough. I had never been away from my son, not even for a day. And now oh. I'm in the hospital for 34 days. Um, so what we had done was my wife rented a house. My mom was there, my, my son. They rented a house right in Rochester, Minnesota, about two blocks away from the Mayo Clinic. And then when I got out of the hospital 34 days later, I had to stay for one more month. The surgeon said, you know, you got to stay for a month. He said, if anything happens, I'm the only surgeon that can fix what I just took out. So, <laughs> you know, I got out of there and uh, my son had been playing golf. He's a he's a tournament golfer and he had been playing in tournaments since he's been four. So there was a golf course close by. And he had been playing every single day. So the day I got out of there, you know, I got in that golf cart and went and watched him play. And it was just awesome. Yeah. It's that's great. That's so, feeling in the world. You're back in the real world again. So yeah, how, how long has this been since yes. your recovery now? You're in remission? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Fully. And now where, where you currently stand? Yeah, pretty good. Um, so, you know, of course... Um, it's going on two years, um, cancer free, um, wow. you know, uh, the battle, the big battle is, um, you know, missing all the organs and, um, digestion has changed 100%. So, you know, you battle, you battle digestion every day and, uh, still trying to get strong, but insulin, the, the, being a diabetic is very challenging. Um, it's, it's been a, it's been a challenge to learn how to 
how to be a diabetic and diabetes mm-hmm. one, you know, you, it, it's really tricky with, um, when to give the insulin, how much insulin to give for how many carbs you're eating. And, you know, being a big eater that I am, I haven't really slowed down with, um, the way I eat in the restaurants. I just love to eat out at restaurants, the finest Italian. It's my favorite thing to do. Let me ask you a question um, now. Does, did you have diabetes before all of this, or this was a side effect of what had happened? Yeah. So I became a diabetic when they took my pancreas. Um, and that's the biggest, uh, thing the pancreas does is it produces the insulin. Um, the other thing is, is the enzymes. So the pancreas produces natural occurring enzymes that help you retain your nutrients. So, um, you know, it's challenging with, um, trying to retain the nutrients without a pancreas. Wow. With that said, um, the challenges can be tough but i couldn't be happier to be here it's been great i get i'm getting stronger every day i'll i'll hit my low points with my adrenal i have an adrenal gland it's insufficiency because i only have one adrenal Mm -hmm. gland so when that adrenal gland isn't producing adrenaline um you know i take hydrocortisone steroids to make up for that but that's also a challenge I'll, I'll get, I'll get bedridden for two, three days sometimes and then bounce, bounce back. And, um, but you know, I, I, I've been feeling pretty good lately and, um, getting stronger and just so thankful and blessed, uh, to be here. Let me ask you this. Everybody that comes on Jay, we ask them the question, how you like to leave your mark in this world? How would you like to be remembered? Yes. Well, I'd like to be remembered, um, number one, as a man of integrity, um, somebody that all, all people can count on, um, somebody that I'll give you the shirt off of my back. You know, if you cross me, we got a, we got a problem. But anybody that's <clears throat> with me and friends and relatives, they know they can count on me. Also, um, somebody that uh couldn't be any more thankful uh to have a wife and a son that we share the utmost unconditional love with each other i feel so blessed so very blessed to have the family that i have and the wife and the son i I just cherish every every second of real and debbie wow and that's how i that's how i want to be remembered you're amazing your uh inner strength and you're you're a warrior dude you're just staying in there you're doing great yeah thanks the love in your family is going to help pull you through your connection to your god you're right there yeah thank you for coming by and sharing your story today and be blessed Okay, I thank you. Thanks for having me. And I'm glad that I can share my story. And uh, I wish you the best too, Vince. It's been a pleasure to be on with you. Thanks for listening to Leave Your Mark today. Tune into our next episode of Leave Your Mark with Vince Cortez.
Be blessed. You just left your mark. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Listen to more episodes on demand. Just click Leave Your Mark with Bing Scorsese.